I'd like to acknowledge Australia's First Nation people as the traditional custodians of the land, and for this episode in particular, the Kaurna people. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. And there's a lot of different stuff going on down here, which makes it, you know, people's different interpretations of what they think's great about McLaren Vale makes it a great place to live and work because, uh, yeah, it's an exciting place, I guess. This is over a glass. I'm Shante Whale. Toby and Emmanuel Becker run Becker's Wine in McLaren Vale, South Australia. Known as one of the most adored wine regions in the country, McLaren Vale's reputation precedes itself. When Becker's Wines first made their debut, it immediately turned heads, and their aim of being an emblem for the region has developed into a reality. On behalf of Becker's Wines, I'm thrilled to welcome Toby Becker. Hi Toby, thanks for joining me. G'day Shante, thanks for having me along. Oh, we're thrilled to have you on. Actually, the first interview I've done of anyone from South Australia, shame on me. Uh, we're catching you right in harvest time. How are you travelling this vintage? Yeah, well, I'm just looking out the window at the moment. It's a, it's a sparkling day here in McLaren Vale. So we've had a really benign sort of a season, quite cloudy and cool, really, from, from our, in our sort of context. And uh, really, in, you know, almost an Indian summer to finish. We're, we're nearly done. We've got a couple of picks to go, but uh, most of it's in the in the winery and we're just starting to bring some of them back into barrel at the moment. Fabulous. Are you, so are you saying you haven't got out into into the elements yet? Is that because you've got this podcast? Because it's very much unlike you. Yeah, 100%. I'm just uh, – I'm, I'm much more at home out and about, but, uh, yeah, you know, I've got to say um, – McLaren Vale, wherever you sit, there's another little pretty amazing view to look at. So uh, we're pretty fortunate down here, I guess. (laughs) Fabulous. It is a beautiful part of the world. Toby, can you give us a bit of a background on where you got that viticultural bug when that first happened and how Becker's wine kind of came about? Yep, sure. So McLaren Vale really is, um, you know, the main industry here is wine. And my mother's family had a bit of history there um, she grew up in the in the fifties in a place called Ranella, which uh, some people might recognise the name. So my grandfather worked in the Ranell cellars, and they had a mixed farm, which included a little bit of vineyard. Uh, but they were all quite quite mixed farms at at that time. That all got sold up in the early seventies, so around the time I was born. Uh, gobbled up by housing in the southern suburbs of Adelaide. So even though I hadn't haven't grown up as a kid on a vineyard. There was sort of this connection with uh, uncles and and, though, and my grandfather who'd all all been involved in the industry. And I guess if you want to stay in this place as a young person, the main industry is wine. So I kind of fell into it that way. Went off and did an ag science degree at Roseworthy, and then some more study in viticulture and, and kind of wobbled into it into it that way. Uh, lots of pruning in school holidays, all that sort of sort of normal stuff, I guess. Um, and then I guess in terms of uh, career-wise, my main career was with, um, you know, I was very lucky to work with for about 15 years with a, with a business called Paxton Wines down here. So starting off as the viticulturist there and sort of the last little while was the general manager of that business, which included a, a wine company and a pretty significant transition for that business from, from sort of conventional farming into biodynamic. Um, and I guess that really gave me a pretty good overview of, of the wine industry as a, as a whole. 
And then when Becker's kind of first came about, which was what year was your first vintage? Uh, so we, well, I, I guess the first thing to say is that Becker's is my surname, but it is a combination between uh, myself and my wife, Emmanuel. So we met together in a, in a winery of all places in McLaren Vale. So she's French born and trained as a winemaker and had come out to do a Harvest uh, 95 vintage. And uh, so the poor girl's been trapped here in Australia ever since. Uh, But, uh, you know, so we've had quite long careers with other people, but always with the opportunity to get back to Europe in the off-season. So particularly Emma's done a lot of work in Bordeaux and Burgundy. And I guess we've had this really fortunate window into that fine wine world over there. And we kind of felt like McLaren Vale didn't have a you know, a singularly focused fine wine business. And so we wanted to come back and be, a you know, we uh, a bit of an emblem for McLaren Vale and, and we just really believe it's got amazing potential. I mean, it's been shown over quite a long time that McLaren Vale's got great potential to make fine wines with the focus, if it's given the focus it's deserved. So that was the, the purpose of Becker's Wine. We started it in twenty. Uh, 11 was first vintage, so a challenging year for most. But it turned out to be a year where I think, you know, you could showcase you knew what you were doing uh, and produce some pretty good wines out of that out of that vintage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I remember from the very, very offset hearing about your wines and also just um, how important it was to you to introduce Emmanuel and, you know, um, tell the story from the both of you, and you've managed to do that so well in the offerings of what you have. But it strikes me about when you first launched onto the scene and you came in with this kind of three different wines that you make and that's all you made. Tell me about how that came to be where you offered just three wines. Uh, look, oh, in essence, I think if you want to be a, a hero for a region, then you pick the hero varieties. And so for us, Historically and now, Grenache and Shiraz have been the mainstay of this region and and I think particularly more recently, Grenache has been given the attention it deserves and is probably the variety that best, well, best showcases something unique from our region. So lots of places in the world do great Shiraz and we're one of them. I think there's very few that do Grenache as well as McLaren Vale does, and, the, and and that's got to do with the way that plant grows in particular. Uh, so we wanted Grenache to be a hero, and of course Shiraz, we're a Shiraz region. It's you know 50 or 60 percent of the area is planted to that variety, uh, and that, and that's done for a reason. It just works so well. Uh, yeah, and then I guess you know singular focus. I think you look at the great wines around the world. None of them have a portfolio of 20 wines. They're all pretty focused, and so we wanted to maintain that. You know, it's what people like about the experience here is just this this really focused attention to detail, and I think that's the secret of great producers is the, the focus and attention they give give to things. I mean, a really, I thought a really smart move in that you really were able to kind of comprehend what you were trying to achieve and to look at the Grenache on its own, the Shiraz, and then to look at the blend of the Grenache and Shiraz and understand that as a bottling and the importance of that to the region. I feel that, you know, you just came out of the out of the gates really strong. Um, but for a lot of new people that were new to the label, they were able to take away the um, 
the story that you were trying to tell and wrap it up in a, in a nice little gift bag and you could just take it away and really be able to sell that. So I think it was really smart. Um, but, of course, we also have um, Emmanuel's uh, Vion Chablis Premier Crew, which was added in. So how did that decision come about to add in a international Chablis? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, interesting. Interesting what you say about the three reds, I mean, because that really is our focus. And what we work quite hard on, there's two things we work really hard on in the winemaking side. The, the first one is texture in wine. And I think, you know, people talk a lot about flavour and aroma and th- that's really important, but texture is the key to fine wine. And so that, that element we work really hard on. And then the other part of the equation um, gets back to, to what you were saying about the three wines in, in a little bracket, and that is people find their preference based on density more than anything else in our experience. So what we wanted were three red wines that just gently take people up that density spectrum. So Grenache, lighter, prettier, more aromatic. Shiraz, darker, denser, a bit plusher and then a blend of the two that's kind of a stepping stone in between. So that, that's where the three steps on the scale and the three red wines came from. Most of what we sell is direct to a mailing list, so we'd be 85 or 90% direct to customer. Uh, and so we get some pretty good feedback, as you'd imagine, from those people. And they started knocking on the door for a white wine. Uh, and, of course... Uh, that caused a, a bit of minor panic because, I, look, I think if I'm being honest, I think McLaren Vale can do amazing things with red wine, but it's much more challenging for white, particularly at the end of the end of the market that we are pitching at. Um, we wanted, if we we're going to do a white, something that'll sit. You know, we think the reds are world class. We we needed something that was going to sit in that spectrum for white. There's a lot of good work being done with some new varieties in this region. But I think in terms of recognition and pricing and those sort of things, it's very difficult to pitch them where our reds are. So the idea we ended up sort of putting into practice was to ship Emma home every year, which is sort of a nice thing for her, but also to maintain contact in France. And she goes back each year and makes some wine for us in Chablis, which is... uh, a wine region we love and Chardonnay we love and a style of wine that works just so well here in Australia. Uh, fresh, zingy, citrusy acidity is just a great wine for summer drinking in our climate and, and it's proven to have worked really, really well. Our customers love the story and they love that connection to Emma's history and it works well for our brand, I think. I agree. I think it does to help tell the story of, of the people behind the labels. Um, and I did want to touch on, on your wine specifically because um, I've got a little quote here from Manuel that says, Becker's signature is a wine of soft, silky texture with an accent on spice and fragrance supported by McLaren Vale's hallmark generosity of flavour um, and then with consideration to texture. And when I read that, I thought, look, this could be a recipe for all fine wine basically. But in your case, I think it's really, really accurate. And I remember my first trip to McLaren Vale, I remember being able to pick your wines out of a lineup for their kind of ethereal texture, but also that crazy fragrance that kind of just jumped out of the glass. I was like, that's got to be a Becker's wine. That's got to be a Becker's wine. So, um, I mean, you've definitely achieved that. But let's talk about McLaren Vale as a region. What are the dominant features that make McLaren Vale the kind of epicenter for premium red wine production? Uh, Yep. Okay. So McLaren Vale, I think one thing is history. 
So, you know, for in terms of an Australian wine region, McLaren Vale has a long history. So 1836, Proclamation of South Australia, Rennell was already growing grapes by 1838 down here. So it's become the dominant crop. It's very well suited marriage of climate and, and uh, product, I guess. Uh, so we're the beneficiaries of that. The same varieties still stand proud here. So Grenache and Shiraz have always been part of the mainstay of the region. So that's one thing. But the main thing for me about McLaren Vale is its diversity. And by that I mean you've just got these, these layers, this sort of artist palette of a landscape. And by that I mean just layers of, of diversity on top of each other. So starting with geology and landscape, uh, on top of that, you've got soil, you've got slope, you've got aspect, distance from the coast, where the wind runs, uh, rainfall patterns. It's, it's this really diverse little little um, artist palette that we've got to work with. And I think the smart people down here really understand that region as well as anyone in the world understands their region. So I know when I'm looking for the example you gave before of fragrance, I know that I'm not going to go looking for that down here on the uh, the coastal area because I know they those wines are going to be dark dense structure they're the, they're the scaffold the aromatics I want will come from Clarendon or Blue Springs uh, uh, higher elevation later ripening so I think that diversity piece is, is just really important for McLaren Vale um, and then of course you've got diversity of people and there's a lot of different stuff going on down here which makes it you know, people's different interpretations of what they think's great about McLaren Vale makes it a great place to live and work because, uh, yeah, it's an exciting place, I guess. Definitely. And, look, I want to I touch on the fact that, um, you know, the future's seeing warmer temperatures where, you know, McLaren's already in a Mediterranean climate, but there's a lot of factors that help moderate McLaren, such as Mount Lofty Ranges and the Gulf of St Vincent and the c- couple of winds that you were talking about. So in warmer temperatures we're going to see for the future, what is what is McLaren Vale looking to for perhaps new plantings, but also let's talk a bit about those moderating areas as well with those higher temperatures. Yeah, okay. So, look, there's, there's a couple of elements to that. So definitely there's a lot of work being done with different varieties, but and we're seeing that all around the world. Uh, so I think that work will continue. Uh, the other thing we haven't probably investigated as strongly as other regions because we love the fact that we're on own roots here in terms of the plantings is rootstock. And I think that'll play a part into the future. But at the moment, because we're phylloxera free, that that story of plants interacting naturally on their own roots is a very strong part of the McLaren Vale kind of culture. People like that thought. But rootstock will become more important, I think, and that, in, that offers some ability for investigating drought tolerance there. The most important thing down here is water security. For You know, that's, that's the simplest and most effective kind of mitigating technique for, for heat is obviously irrigation, which we understand very well down here. And as far as you can be in an Australian wine region, we are close to drought proof and that comes through really careful management of the underground water resource, but also the addition of recycled water as a, as a resource in this region. So 50% of the, the region would be irrigated with very carefully metered and allocated underground water. And the other 50% now is reticulated through the region recycled water. 
run by um, you know a, a water utilities company that pipes pipes water to the vineyards. So that's one big tick in our box, I think, for for um, for sort of climate mitigation. I think the other thing is just looking at where you plant. So we've just purchased a new vineyard, which we might talk about in a little more detail later on, but in Clarendon, and that's back in the back corner of the the valley. It's a bit higher elevation. It's got some pretty nice deeper soils and a and a decent water allocation. So we're a bit of south facing slope. So we're we're thinking where can we go within our region because we don't want to pick up and move um, particularly to Tasmania. We've done a lot of work on sort of establishing our experience and our, our brand here in McLaren Vale. So where can we go within our region that's going to give us the best chance of sort of mitigating these effects? Mm. Yes. I mean, we're on the same page here because I've got lots of questions about your Clarendon Vineyard. <laughs> we might as well get to that. Tell me about this new new site and um, how's that going to play out in, in an offering for you? Yeah, well, we're not quite sure about how it's going to play out because we're just, we're just feeling our way. So what we've gone and done to ourselves is buy a vineyard that's been abandoned for 10 years. <laughs> Um, on the side of a cliff uh, that's all contour planted that we can barely get a tractor into. So it's a pretty, pretty, pretty interesting project, but there, there's good reason for it. Um, it's got a history going back to the 1840s. So it was, you know, and it's got, there's some amazing history around this place and it was, it was really a, quite a celebrated vineyard in its day. There's some amazing old newspaper articles, you know, talking about it being a monument to pioneering viticulture and this sort of stuff. So, uh, And some incredible photos from sort of the 1860s onwards. Uh, so we know it's got history, we know it's got a track record, um, and we just love the history of it. Uh, but a very, very challenging site. It was all pulled out in the 1930s during the Depression. And then someone had a go at replanting it in the 1990s, um, but it's proven to be very difficult to manage because of its slope. Uh, and so we've picked it up and had to rejig the whole thing. So you know what your pergola looks like after one year? Well, we had, we had 10 years worth of that on, you know, nearly 30 acres of vineyard to sort of chop off, pull out, retrellis graft, replant. So we've, we've been working pretty hard the last 18 months, but we just think it's going to give us something completely unique in McLaren Vale, and it's right back in that back corner where we see these more aromatic, more fragrant, um, slightly lighter framed red wines, and I, I think that's proven to be, you know, the most important part of our brand, as you've mentioned, is this kind of we want people to look at the wines and say, yes, I get it, it's McLaren Vale, but we also want them to sort of question a little bit and say, gee, it looks a bit cooler climate than I thought and a bit lighter and spice-driven and fragrant and aromatic. We're not really interested in making a, uh, a kind of a big syrupy, porty blockbuster. We want some fine wine polish in the wines and I think Clarendon really is going to give us that. Oh, it's very exciting, but it sounds like you are making life very difficult for yourself. <laughs> uh, how, how, I mean, how long once you're, when are we looking at that? You're seeing that in what, 10 years, in eight years, five years? When, when do you think that you're going to be bottling your first vintage? Yeah, well, we've, so the, the vines that we're working with were planted in the early 90s. So they're, they're, they're right in the go zone in terms of vine age for, 
um, giving us something pretty good straight off the bat. So we've picked a few tonnes this year from a couple of little sections and we're just going to use that as a bit of a, a feeler just to see, you know, what it's going to give us. Um, next year should be a reasonable crop out there. So we'll be assessing that pretty closely and then determining what we're, what we're going to do, do with the fruit. We'll sell a bit as fruit. Uh, but we'll certainly be keeping some for ourselves. Interestingly, it's the, you know, the Hickenbotham property um, owned by the Jackson Group uh, is straight across the river, and we know that vineyard quite well. Chris Carpenter has been doing amazing things, of course, and, and Pete Fraser with uh, with Cabernet, and there's some Cabernet on the property that we've purchased, so and a, and a dribble of Cab Franc. So we may be looking at uh, an addition of of something like that into either a single varietal or a, or a blend across a few few different varieties. So we'll watch this space. We'll see what we come up with. Oh, well, it sounds really exciting and I think uh, something to get your hands dirty and keep your mind occupied along with producing all your other wines that are incredible. Um, I want to touch on Grenache because I think it's so interesting. Grenache seems to be the kind of the hot word for the moment. Uh, I don't know if that's also part of, you know, the international wine scene and you know, southern Spain and places like that really um, drawing attention to what Grenache can do. But for years now, McLaren Vale has been championing this variety. Um, and for a long time, especially as a sommelier, it was always a hand sell. And winemakers, as soon as I'd meet them from McLaren Vale, would say, how do you find Grenache? And, you know, for a long time, I think they thought, well, they didn't think, but for a long time, it was that kind of kind of flogging a dead horse, but they stuck to it. And now finally, the world is waking up and saying, gosh, Bloody Australian Grenache is not all right, isn't it? And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's about time. So it's really in its heyday at the moment, and it's thrilling to see. Um, how, how are you finding the reception to Grenache these days? Yeah, look, I think, I think it's exactly right, as you describe. Um, we know we've got this amazing resource on our hands, but it, it has been like screaming into a vacuum a little bit, I think. Uh, look, a couple of things have really driven the renaissance of that variety. I think the first one is just a change in mindset about how it's made. So if you go back 15, 20 years, I think people took this naturally lighter-framed aromatic variety and really belted it up in the winery and, and tried to really wring out the tea bag, if you like, and, and turn it into something that looked more like Shiraz and Cabernet. And... Now, that doesn't really do the variety any favours at all, I don't think. Um, so a change in mindset, the, uh, a change in consumer preference to slightly lighter-framed wines has been to the benefit of Greenwich because it means we can treat it really carefully, delicately in the winery, be quite happy to see lighter-framed, pretty, aromatic wines, and that really shows that variety, I think. In its best light, um, you know, for us, it's a it's a ninety dollar bottle of wine, so it's got to have a backbone of sort of gritty, sandy tannin and structure, which we love about the variety when we get it right. But it's still got this lighter framed kind of body that it sits within, uh, and I think that's the the asset. Almost to me, looks a little sort of detuned um, Nebbiolo-esque kind of tannin rather than being anything that looks like Shiraz or Cabernet to me. It's got this really savoury quality when it's good that I, that I think goes really well with food. 
The last component, I guess, too, that needs to be mentioned about the revival of Green Ash is, is, I don't know, there always seems to be this sort of slight tension between sort of what you might call loosely conventional versus uh, natural wine. And you've got to say that some of the natural wine guys that took Grenache as a base for what they were doing into this lighter, pretty, fragrant, aromatic style into the wine bars around the country, put Grenache by the glass in a new style in front of a lot of people. So, you know, whatever whatever you think about that, that style or that movement, I think you've got to pay credit to the fact that that really did open people's eyes to what Grenache could do and it certainly opened a door for producers like us that, that want to make something that might be viewed perhaps as being a little more serious and a bit more of a fine wine example but really gave us the opportunity to put it in front of people with a with a new new view of what Grenache could could do. It's it's just given people an opportunity to to view that variety in a new light, I guess. Yeah, I agree and I think that it's made way for a lot of different varieties and a different way of drinking, you know, whether it be gamay or it be um perhaps drinking a different style of, of Cabernet Franc or I think that that element of where we're in warmer temperatures, we can drink slightly lighter styles of wine, you know, perhaps at lunchtime and have a glass. It just invoked a different way of drinking and I think that that's brought forth all these um, wonderful varieties and knowing there's a place for all of them at different times. And uh, I agree. I, I think that it couldn't be more exciting for Mac- Claring Vale Grenache right now um, and it's asked for you know these days people want it by the glass or they they say let's have a look at your Grenache offerings by the bottle and and you don't need to suggest it anymore it's absolutely thrilling to see that in in, in my career it's it's wonderful to see um, but I want to talk just very briefly in that I think the greatest wine invoke memory and experience. And I have to say, working with your wines, I have many memories of serving a bottle, of my first tasting of a bottle, of, you know, having you in our, in our restaurant with your um, members club doing wine dinners. And I really can recall those memories as being really special. And I think that that's testament to your efforts. Um, and also, you know, your incredible selection of some of those little sneaky museum wines that you keep. And I, I, ho- I hope you continue to do that because having a look at some of these wines with some really great bottle age is I think the next step into people understanding just what McLaren Vale wines can do with age. Yeah I agree with you and well we we do have well these days we're putting away a little more museum wine than we did in the early days. Um, We needed the money so we sold everything nearly. (laughs) We did did keep a few but they're dwindling. uh, but it's so important to be able to go back through that library of wine and, and just follow your progress, I think. I mean, our customers do it, so we need to be able to do it too. Uh, and they love the opportunity to to maybe rummage around in the cellar and, you know, fill a gap in a collection or something like that. It's a really important part of the fine wine story, I think, is to have a reasonable amount of museum stock. Uh, yeah, and, and look... Historically, the an interesting sort of fact, I think, from my perspective is if you've had the opportunity to look at some of the older McLaren Vale wines that pop up from time to time, and I'm thinking about some of the older Darenberg and Hardy's wines from the 60s and 70s, 
if you see them when they've been well salad, it's interesting that sometimes, or probably more often than not, in my opinion, the, the blends of Shiraz and Grenache have almost salad better than the straight Shiraz wines. And it's a really interesting thing to get your head around because you would imagine the denser straight Shiraz wines should perhaps go longer. But oh, I think it's got something to do with sort of acidity and pH with Grenache that makes them perhaps a little more stable in bottle um, and perhaps the attention to detail around acidity in wine wasn't quite as intense as it is now at, the, at that time and that's what's seen those wines live perhaps a bit better. So there's all these wonderful stories and interest factors and layers that come from keeping wines in a cellar and pulling them out, out down the track. Uh, you know, new stories sort of emerge as they age, I guess. Oh. Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, I think that, you know, like you said, you can't always uh, have the ability to do that early on, but now that you, you can, it's fantastic that, that you are keeping some and, uh, you know, only only the um, the true uh, loyalists, I suppose, get to have a look at those wines, but <laughs> as it should be. Um, I just want to quickly touch on as well, what, you know, uh, as a community, McLaren Vale has so many reputable brands. Who do you look for for advice and kind of um, comradeship within the region? Oh, look, it's so diverse down here. And, yeah, and there's a lot of people in our region that, have toiled away for so, so long and probably don't get the accolades that they deserve. It's a bit unfair to pick people out just off the top of my head, but I'm thinking about people people like Charles Wish, who's had a long history down here with um, uh, with Rosemount and, and and then, the, you know, now with Serafino. He's, he's just a master of understanding our region and quite happy to fly under the radar, but some of those wines look, pretty amazing of course drew and ray noon are just the nicest people you will ever meet and have an amazing little business i think everyone would love a little business like that and just their connection to their little patch of dirt and the way they talk about wine and taste widely you know internationally and have a global outlook too um, and a really narrow local focus for their own production i think that's a unique story um some of the newer guys around um look i think duncan at k brothers is making some pretty good wines at the moment and that i've just loved seeing the resurgence of that old brand that's been around forever and um just walking into that place you know it smells like an old winery should and um yeah that's that to me is just a nice link to McLaren Bale's history, but making some pretty modern styles with some of the new varieties they're playing with. So, um, yeah, I'm sure, look, there's a hundred others, but, you know, they're just sort of three quite diverse examples, I guess. Yeah, it's always nice to, to hear um, someone that makes wonderful wine talk about other people in the region. And, and you know, there's got to be times where, you know, you, you need to look to others to say, what did you do this vintage or, you know, how did you combat that? And we don't do it alone. So it's lovely to hear you speak about some other important people in the region. I think that's something that's not recognised widely enough. And that is just the this idea that you can, in a year, know everything about something you can't really understand in a lifetime, in my opinion. Um, you know, the the value we place on experience and people's connection to a place and the hard yards put in, I think gets overlooked sometimes. Uh, so I just love it when I see people who've put the energy and time in 
uh, and those people mainly are smart enough to recognise that and are probably some of the most open and questioning and tra travel widely and are always trying to learn because they know you can't yeah. handle yeah, well said. Toby, I always ask everybody at the end of my podcast, uh, if you could only drink three beverages, alcoholic or not, for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? Oh, gosh. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well first one, champagne, just because I love it. And uh, we've had some pretty nice – it's a good example of the the impact of experiences on on your, your life in wine. We've had some wonderful experiences in that region, so that will be first. Second would be Cabernet of all types. It's not a variety that we've worked with a hell of a lot here. We hope to in the future, but it's just a, a, a wine that's probably my preferred red wine to drink with a meal. And finally, I can't go past Grenache uh, because it's such a challenge to grow, to make, and it just, yeah, it's such a, an intellectual exercise for us here. Uh, and it's become our passion and a, and a real kind of beacon for our region. Absolutely. I mean, they are three solid choices, three wines for all occasions and, you know, three varieties that are just champions, aren't they? And I might, and I might sneak a beer in at the end. <laughs> Beers don't count. It's a bit like water. We, it's, we just assume in this industry that you're having a cold beer occasionally. <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Toby, thanks so much for your time. Be Becker's continues to be a shining light at McLaren Vale. Um, every vintage, I look forward to seeing what you've come up with. Um, and we wish you the very best for the rest of Harvest. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope I get to see you in person soon. And Emmanuel. Yeah, yeah, us, us too. And look, thanks for having me on. You know, any opportunity to sit down and talk about wine is a good one, I think. Absolutely it is. Thank you again and uh, best of luck today. Thanks, Shante. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Stay tuned for more stories from the world of wine and drinks. Listen in every Thursday on your podcast app. Follow us on Instagram at Over a Glass Pod and contact us at overaglass at deepintheweeds.com.au.